Hey, Quentin, we got Andy on the line. What do you want to ask him? So what's your current strategy for managing the properties? Like uh, you've had some experiences with bad tenants. Is it in-house? You kind of hire other property managers now or and how do you manage them if you do? So we hire property management companies. And again, it's about vetting them because all of this is a process, right? So we've actually fired two or three property managers because they weren't performing the way we needed them to perform. And they made promises that they couldn't deliver. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to do that either, because they're working for us ultimately. And so for us to get a tenant in there to get to perform a rate takes a certain amount to do and to keep them in there takes even more. That's really what my advice is. Don't do it yourself. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. And this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Very excited for today's show. We got two great guys on the line with us today. I met both of them at a conference, you know, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. So very excited to introduce Andy Borsis and Quentin Finnerty to you guys. So gentlemen, welcome to the show today. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having us, Brian. Yeah, so, thank you, Brian. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys are part of what makes this show awesome. So anyway, expectations are out there, you know, make this episode awesome and we'll be happy. So. All right, cool. Andy, you're up first. Do us a favor. Tell us about yourself and uh, how you got into multifamily. Okay. Hey, so yeah, I've been in the TV and movie industry for about 30 years. Hence all the stuff in, in the background there. So, you know, I love what I do. You know, it's not that I don't love what I do. I've been doing it a long time. I've worked on some pretty small movies, The Mm -hmm. Abyss being one of them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a small one. And a couple of others that nobody ever really heard of, but I Mm -hmm. still worked on them. But yeah, I mean, it was always in the back of my mind to do this. I just never had the time because Mm -hmm. when you're working in the movie industry, you're working a lot of hours. You're working yeah. late nights, you're working overnight, you're working holidays, yeah. weekends, and <laughs> so on. I, so I imagine there's some deadlines that you you just don't want to miss. No, because there's too much money on the mm-hmm. line for what you're doing. I was a project manager slash technical director mm-hmm. slash associate producer on some of those. So yeah, there's a lot of pressure, but it was always back there, right? So my mm-hmm. wife and I had a town home we rented out. We did a horrible job at that. (laughs) And uh, those tenants destroyed that townhouse. And and it was funny because he was a doctor. She was a nurse. Mm -hmm. So you never know, right? Yeah. You'd expect them to take care of it, but uh, maybe that's not what they do. No. So fast forward all these years later. And of course, you know, COVID, I think, was a game changer for everybody, Mm -hmm. especially for us. My wife has a business where she basically rents out space to other women that are doing body waxing or mm-hmm. tattooing or or makeup. Mm-hmm. And when COVID hit, you couldn't walk into a, a, yeah. a salon and do that. So we lost half her income. Honestly, this was for her first because I was mm-hmm. still working. <laughs> yeah. And it was because she was bored and she wanted something to do besides play with my grandchildren, which was, you know, I put that first before anything else, right? Yeah. We'll get to that. But 
we went on that search like everybody else did. You know, we've heard that story before. You know, the, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We went on every morning because I couldn't go anywhere else. I got on the treadmill or the elliptical and I'm watching podcasts or I'm watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody stumbles on bigger pockets. So like I said, I think that's your gateway drug into real estate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. You know, I've heard that more than once on this podcast, actually. I think, yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's probably the most quoted book and yeah, bigger pockets. I definitely started out on bigger pockets too. Yeah. I was looking for, some, for something for her and I found mm-hmm. a bunch of people. She interviewed a bunch of people. You know, there's a lot of people out there doing, you know, mentorship, but she mm-hmm. had to feel comfortable. We stumbled across these two women, Jen and Stacy Conkey, and they they mm-hmm. had, at the time it was Warriors of Wealth. Now it's something different, but she's like, those are the people we're going with. So make a long story short, we dove into that mentorship program. Mm-hmm. It took us nine months to get into our first deal, which was not one of the best deals ever. We had a one-eyed hooker. (laughs) (laughs) Good way to explain it. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, well, this is not really what I got into this for, Mm -hmm. you know, and after that we got, we got another duplex and that was a lot of work, you know, and then Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, this isn't a dream I got into doing this for. And Mm -hmm. I talked to our coaches. I said, if I'm going to put this much work into something, I'm going to go into an apartment deal. And mm-hmm. part of that mentorship program is the next level up is you get to go into the apartment. You start off two to four, you, you graduate into apartments mm-hmm. and they felt that we were ready. So nice. I came across my first deal, which was in Chicago. And I thought this was a home run. I raised $750,000 for this deal. Nice. And the broker lied to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't do that, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. They don't do that at all. So on the flip side of that, there was another woman in our group who was looking at a 30 unit in Cincinnati. And she basically said, look, if your deal falls apart, why don't you bring your people into my deal and Mm -hmm. we'll joint venture on this. And that's the way we got into our first apartment. Nice. So we joined ventured on a deal in Cincinnati. That's a 30, 31 unit building. It's beautiful. It's a C plus B minus class. Mm -hmm. And then somebody in the group hit me up and said, look, I know you're a mover and a shaker. So if I go find properties, can you find the money? And mm-hmm. I went, I have no idea. I, I thought this <laughs> $750,000 was a fluke, you know? Well, seven fifty dollars on a first raise is, is really good. You know, I mean, I would say it's rare that somebody hits $500,000 on their first raise, you know, but yeah, seven hundred fifty dollars is really good. So hopefully it wasn't a fluke, but yeah, let's hear the rest of that story. So he brought to me, the next one was a 21 unit in Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. and it was in the same neighborhood, and I understood the neighborhood. And it was a million and a half to get, Mm -hmm. not not to raise, but it was a million and a half dollar property. Mm -hmm. And the best part about that property is that it was a Fannie Mac loan at 3.58% for the life of the loan. And I was like, I am in. Yes. (laughs) Considering... I was looking at what the future was, you know, coming with interest rates rising and and where we're at now. And I'm like, we are in. So that was our second one. It was, you know, it was a value add. So we're still Mm -hmm. working on that one. We had to fix every single balcony. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to understand when you get into something like this, it's, they're not all home runs. right? And there's a lot of work you have to put into it. But what we do and what I've learned, and I'll get into some of the other ones, if, Mm -hmm. if you don't mind, is that we underwrite conservatively mm-hmm. because of <laughs> all the, the the triplexes and duplexes I owned before that. Yeah. That's what made me understand that I needed money put away in a hopper just in case there's a rainy day and, and balconies fail. Yeah. 
Right. It's actually something I was talking with somebody that I partner with a lot today is just how much money do we need to, you know, park? You know, how much money right. do we need to keep on hand liquidity so that we can make sure things are solvent? It's not at the property level for me. I mean, there, there's obviously reserves at the property level, but we we're talking more on, you know, personal level. I've got all yeah. these assets, I've got all these properties, and my name's on the loan on most of them, you know. So, but yeah, that's one of those things. You never know when something's going to come up. So that that liquidity, that flexibility, that's that's important to have. Well, you know, it, it also comes to the point where I don't like making capital calls. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if I have to deliver bad news, I will, but it, I'd rather not. So we do all our underwriting conservatively and make sure we have money put away for those kinds of things. And then he brought me another deal in Florida, in Tampa, which I was like, Brad, I need you to slow down. This is like three deals in, in less than six months. But mm-hmm. we closed on that one as well. So at that point, I had raised, I don't know, about one $2 million at that for mm-hmm. all those properties at that point. And nice. so what I learned from that is, is that I was taking my eyes off of myself. And it mm-hmm. wasn't about me asking for money. It was me asking people to make their money work for them. Right. Yeah. And when we were at Dealmaker Live, one of the things that really came across to me is on the panel. I don't know if you were on that panel, but somebody on a panel said money wants to work. Mm-hmm. And I carried- if it was profound. It was probably me that said it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll go. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember those exact words, but I, yeah, I'm sure it was me. <laughs> so I got that loud and clear. And yeah. Uh, it does. It, it truly does want to work. And when I found that it works, the best is that when you take your eyes off yourself. And that's what I've been doing. And then he presented me with a 96 unit B class in Northern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And that is like your, I describe real estate as you start off with, with children, they, they go into their teens, which is horrible because that was my duplexes and triplexes. Mm-hmm. You get into kind of like that college age. So this 96 unit is is my MBA child. Yes. <laughs> nice. You know, but that raise was $3 million. Mm-hmm. And when he told me that, I was like, I'm a poor kid from Jersey. How the hell am I going to do this? Yeah. Right. I mean, I had imposter syndrome from here to yesterday and something clicked inside of me, which is really, you know, I'm going to get to my why, but mm-hmm. I need to leave a legacy for my family that my parents didn't leave for me. And that really is my why, is that I want my daughter to be able to have that generational wealth, but also teach her how to do this as well. Mm -hmm. But in a bigger sense, it was a challenge to me to go out and and help people make their money work because that was a syndication. So we're a GP in that deal. Mm -hmm. That was four months of me staying up late at night, making phone calls, doing what needed to be done. And, you know, just talking to people like people, not asking them for money. And that that's really what this is about. It's like people were, were they had their money invested in self-directed IRAs that wasn't really earning them any money. So in this deal, if you, if you put 100K into this deal in five years, you're doubling your money. Plus you're getting your quarterly cash out. And by the way, it was from the same seller that sold us that property in Cincinnati with that Freddie Mac loan. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's sellers, sellers like people who are going to follow through, you know, and I've, you know, we're, we're working with with one project right now and the broker came back to us and said, hey, the seller has these other product projects he wants you to look at, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's nice to be there. It's nice to be in that point to where, hey, yeah, I've, I've worked with these guys before. I mean, we did a transact. Now, 
granted, you don't always know who the seller is. And I don't think it's rare that I've sat across a table or even a Zoom screen from sellers, but yeah, just have them come back and say, yeah, I want to work these guys again. That's yeah, that's a really good thing. Well, he knew we could close, yeah. right? And and that's really the big part of it is, is that when you get at that level and people know that you can close and you're serious, it's like, mm-hmm. that's that's when this works. And I have a lot of people in the mentorship program that I'm part of is I always tell them because when they're telling me that they're having a problem finding a deal, I'm like, did you make offers? Because they need to know you're serious. Yeah. If if you're just calling them and you're not making an offer, they're getting 200 calls a day. Yeah. They want people who are who are going to take action. And I mean, I got a lot of people that uh, I coach, and I tell them the same thing: is you know, you you have to be able, you have to put offers out. You have to sometime at some point get off the fence and start taking action, but. You know, just more and more and more action. That's that's how you get in. Is you just start taking action, get get used to doing one thing, and then keep on going. You know, it's, it's yeah. like dominoes. And so, so he has another one that he's he's basically we're looking at right now. Nice. That would be another big raise. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll see on, on that one. But really, I mean, my why is besides my family. Obviously, everybody's why mm-hmm. is their family. I mean, my uh, unfortunately, I had to pay for both of my parents' funerals, which mm-hmm. it's not their fault. You know, they didn't, they were never taught how to handle money. That's yeah. fine. But I don't want my daughter to have to deal with that when it comes to the end for me. That That's really one of the biggest things. And and so the other part of that is I know everybody wants to give back, but I have this big dream of, of really, and I've talked about this before in other places is mm-hmm. we all need to help each other, <laughs> right? The system yeah. is is not set up for, for success. And that's why this is such a great community, all of us, because we all want to see each other succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm finding about this community that that we're all part of is like, I've never been in a community like this before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, and and I, I've thought about it a lot because, you know, the, the subject comes up a lot. Why is it like that? And I think end of the day, you know, it's it's one of those things where you get further by collaborating. You know, there, there's some some industries that are very competitive and cutthroat and it's it's me or him, you know. Absolutely. This is a very much a, you know, I'm going to do better if I partner and I have multiple people that I could potentially partner with. So, right. I think it has, has a lot to do with it. It's just, you know, we got to yeah, you got to find the right people you want to work with and yeah, I love it. I love it. A lot of collaboration. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is just real quick is, you know, you you have to mesh with the right people because you're going to be living with them. It's like a marriage. So you're going to be with them for a while. So I believe in building teams, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm very strong in in the communication part of this and, and the asset management part of this. Underwriting, I'm good at, but I'm not great at, right? Yeah. <laughs> so my wife is involved in this as well. Like I, I started this, this talk about that, but she does all the post stuff because she's highly analytical. Right. So she deals with the property managers and, and, mm-hmm. and she's on the phone with them three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's all she does. Mm-hmm. So this has become our new why and our new business. Right. Yeah. Because if COVID hits again, her business shuts down yeah. again mm-hmm. or anything else. So, yeah. yeah, that's why we're doing what we're doing. And yeah, it's been a great journey. And I met you during that journey on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great seeing you in person at Dealmaker Live. Yeah. And what's, what's nice about LinkedIn. And I mean, you remember me saying this, but 
I mean, you didn't have to really introduce yourself. You know, I'm like, yeah, I've seen you on LinkedIn. I know who you are. You know, that's one thing I really, really love about LinkedIn is you you get to know somebody before you actually get to know them, you know, and you do. Yeah. And, and like I said, there's a tight knit group of family in in LinkedIn Mm -hmm. that, that support each other and want to see each other grow because we all succeed that way. But so you want to talk about, I guess you want to ask me what's on this horizon for me. You know what? That's that sounds like a great place to go. So, what's next for you? That was a great segue, huh? Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And for people listening, I mean, I, I, I tell everybody kind of what the what the game plan is prior to, and Andy, you know, probably took his notes and he just went from one subject to the other. It's like, yep, here's this, here's my why, here's the so. Awesome. Yeah, I did take those. They're written right down here. So I just want to make sure that I hit all the points we're talking about. It just makes my job easy is what it does. He's (laughs) like, all right, he hit that. He hit that. Okay, cool. Keep talking, Andy. You know, so yeah, go ahead. So I'm through this. I met my partner. One of my partners, his name is Chris Champa. He's actually a lieutenant. He's a cop up up Mm -hmm. north where I live. And we met through um, a couple of mentorship programs. Mm-hmm. And he had this dream about giving back to young cops or older cops or cops, mm-hmm. you know, just at that precipice because their retirement is not going to cover what they need to re- to to do mm-hmm. what they need to do and 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 have the lifestyle they want. So we decided to start a podcast that mm-hmm. was called Donut Shop Cop, mm-hmm. and the tagline for that is to protect and serve your investments. Mm-hmm. So. The big, the big next thing for us is we've we've done a couple. We've got a couple under our belt. We want to have people come on, talk about their stories. But it's really about his dream is really reaching younger cops that that really don't know how to use their retirement funds, right, mm-hmm. or where to put their money. And he's older, like I am, and you know his back is hurting now, and he he doesn't know how much longer he has. But mm-hmm. you know the whole point of this is to give back. To, to that niche. Yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah, um, we'll be putting that out there on LinkedIn and Facebook and, you know, Instagram. And uh, please, if you, anybody wants to come on, come on. We're happy to talk to you as well. Like you do, Brian. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Podcasting is a whole lot of fun. So meet a lot of really, really cool people. But uh, uh, speaking of really cool people, you know, we also have Quentin on right now, who's uh you know, been been sitting quietly for a bit. So, Quentin, <laughs> hey guys. welcome, man. I'm here. Thanks yep. for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell us about yourself now. Yeah, it's awesome to be on this podcast. Uh, funny story, I used to do landscaping back in college and mm-hmm. um, mowing. So I would listen to podcasts all the time and I listen to yours a lot. And nice. it's just awesome to run into you at the DML and the, yeah. the Maker Live conference. And this is cool to be on it now. So I'm very thankful awesome. for that. Awesome. Well, um, congratulations. Yeah, you, you made it you. on there. Yeah. So <laughs> made it. Yep. Um, so yeah, a little bit about me. I'm um born in uh, central Michigan, Mount Pleasant, yep. small town there. Uh grew up in Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. um, where it's wintry and cold most of the time. Yeah. So um went to college in, in Buffalo and always been interested in investing. So I did finance. Um mm-hmm. Stock investing didn't quite do it for me. I really just loved real estate and architecture, buildings in general, and tangible, something tangible you can kind of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so my senior year, uh, one of my buddies in one of my classes was a wholesaler, and I had no idea what that was. Mm-hmm. He recommended I go to Bigger Pockets, watch some of their YouTube videos, kind of going back to your talk about earlier, mm-hmm. and just kind of went down the rabbit hole of just learning as much as I could. 
Um, one of my really good buddies, Mark Silver up in Buffalo, um, he has a construction background. So we kind of came together, started a little real estate business. We bought a Ford unit with an FHA loan. Um, that was where like the light bulb went off for us. We lived there for free, made a little bit of money. It was awesome. Then following up with that, we, we did a single family flip. Um, it's pretty much a whole reconstruction. The house was tipping backwards. Um, we had to fill like four or five dumpsters, 20, 20 yard mm-hmm. dumpsters of trash. Uh, took it down to the studs, added 400 square foot in the attic to master suite and sold it January of 2021. So it was like a COVID summer project. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was awesome. We did a lot of the work ourselves. We had to redo the whole roof. We added eaves on it and uh back patio. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a really good project. Uh, a, lot awesome. of, a lot of hard work. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Usually those are a lot of hard work. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. Cool. So, cool. That kind of got our bug going for maybe development or maybe kind of looking into that at some mm-hmm. point because we pretty much rebuilt the house and we followed that up with eight more units neighboring our four unit property. So that's where we're at right now. Um, I actually live in central Texas, Austin, Texas right now. Mm-hmm. Um, currently super excited. We're looking at a townhome community deal right now. It's a, a, a partially built townhome community that developers mm-hmm. walking away from maybe 55 units. So we're doing appraisals on that right now, valuations, and hopefully by early July, we we send an offer out on that. And mm-hmm. That's kind of where we're going with uh, our journey. Awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. So, so one question, you know, and I mean, you may have touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, your why, your motivation, you know, what's what's driving mm-hmm. you to do all of this? Yeah, a few big whys. I really love community and building a community and the art behind it, like looking at a piece of dirt. And thinking, what can I put here to build a community where people want to live and stay, you know, have families, grow there. Also incorporating green spaces. That's a super big passion for mine. So I really want to you know, build communities for people. Also financial security for my loved ones, help family, friends out, provide opportunity to others, a big why. I really love traveling the world. I did a study abroad in college. I lived in Belize for a month, lived with a family and everything like that, had a job. That really was eye-opening for me, just being immersed into different cultures, you know, you know, poorer countries and just to seeing how happy they are. And it was like, wow, this is crazy. And crazy. so I really want to like be able to have financial freedom to go travel the world, meet other people, not just be a tourist, you know, like actually get into it and yeah. and um, learn from different cultures and kind of bring that back, you know, incorporate into either real estate or any other ventures. I kind of look at real estate as like a foundation for other opportunities in life. Yeah. And That's I good. also would love to give back to organizations I believe in. Awesome. I, that's a great way to to do it. You know, live with a family in a foreign country, yeah. you know, I mean, that's how you really experience the culture, but yeah. awesome. Awesome. Well, here comes my favorite part of the show. Hey, Quentin, we got Andy on the line. What do you want to ask him? Yeah. So you have an interesting background with the film industry and that's super cool. So I want to ask like, how was the transition like, and what were you able to bring from that industry? Like mindset wise, maybe mm-hmm. skills you learned and what were some challenges, you know, going to something that's, very different <laughs> film industry. Did you have that written down ahead of time? Because that's a really good question. I had some written. <laughs> yeah, I did a little bit. <laughs> By the way, I left off. I get why, yes, I want to travel too. I, I, I get that. But that's kind of like awesome. at the bottom of the, but yes. So yeah, being a technical director and a project manager, you're hurting mm-hmm. a lot of cats. And that's right. what this is. This is hurting a lot of cats, especially when you're raising capital, right? And you're looking for equity partners because- you can get 100 people telling you that they're going to invest, but it's constant phone calls. And that's really it, especially being a project manager. You have to be incredibly organized. So from day one, I had Excel spreadsheets going everywhere with names and who's committing, who's not, who's there, who's waiting in the wings. You know, I built that 
because of my background. But really, you have to learn how to talk to people. And like I said before, mm -hmm. it's really the psychology of people. So you have to become a chameleon because when you're listening to people, like you were just talking, I got the whole story about what you, you want to do and your lifestyle and, and traveling. I was like, I get it, man. You know, I'll, I'll go traveling with you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, come along. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's really about becoming a chameleon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? I, I think that that's what it is. And I'm not sure that it's a skill or it's just because of my New York upbringing with an Italian family. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I do like that idea. You know, if you're a chameleon, you can, you can talk to anybody about anything, you know, and that's a good quality to have if you're capital raising, you know, be able yeah. to relate with people and, you know, you, you got to be able to build relationships in most cases. It's, yeah. It's very rare that somebody's going to meet you for the first time and say, here's 50,000, go invest it. Yeah. A lot of it's the relationship building. I like that, you know, chameleon. Relationship building is, is it, like yeah. I said, it took me three years to get to where I was at the point where I felt comfortable enough to ask people for, to raise $3 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? That is a lot of money. You know, I hope I, I get to the point where I think $3 million is not a lot of money, but it's still a lot of money. It, it, well, I think yeah. when I wrote to you as like, when I was a kid, I thought a hundred dollars a week was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where I thought six figures a year was a long, you know, hundred thousand dollar salary a year was a lot of money. So yeah. Yeah. It was pretty amazing when I looked at the bank account and there was $3 million in there. I, I literally had to take a step back, mm -hmm. but that's yeah. wow. on our first syndication, you know, I remember, uh, you know, taking a, a screenshot of the bank account, sending it to my wife and it was, it was like 1.1 million or something like that. And, uh, you know, and there was, you know, the run the joke, let's take it and run, you know, we weren't going to do that, of course, but, you know, we started, started thinking about that. I'm like, gosh, a million is not going to last that long. I'm like, hmm, you know, but yeah, anyway, eventually I'm going to look at that $3 million and say, yeah, that's not that much. So no, uh, my plan is to frame oh, at one yeah. point, cool. you know. Yeah, I heard something interesting. Like today, hundred dollars is kind of valued as what twenty dollars was what mm -hmm. five, six years ago. It's crazy. Like yeah, just the inflation and stuff. I mean, cool. when I was a kid, you know, I remember spending three bucks for a movie ticket. You know, really? I mean, my parents would probably tell you a movie was a dime and popcorn was a nickel or something like mm -hmm. that. But yeah, I remember you know three seventy five was what what movie tickets were. And I yep. mean, take your kids to a movie now, and you're you know, I got granted, I got five kids, but. Yeah, we're in a couple hundred bucks, you know, just like absolutely. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the few deals you've done, I, I was gonna ask, what was the most significant one? You said the 960 unit kind of was your your bread and butter one that you've done, but uh was there a learning experience from any maybe the other ones you don't want to count off right now, or some I guess problems you had or obstacles that you never would have thought ever or you never heard about maybe in the industry or something that really helped you develop from. I Are you sure so. you didn't write these down ahead of time? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote some down. <laughs> Build off of those. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, the duplexes and the triplexes or the quads, those are learning experiences. And I believe everybody should start there. I don't think you should go straight into apartments. I mean, if you want to, God bless you. But those are the hardest ones, right? Because they bring in a not a great amount of income for a lot of work. And we've had to actually sell two or three of those. And it wasn't to fund our other deals. It was because we saw the writing on the wall for things that were going to happen in the future and didn't want to pay that price. That makes sense, right? Okay. So the biggest thing is not to get attached to any of those properties, although three of them are pretty. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, I've dated pretty girls too, but they were 
<laughs> right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I, I, I wasn't kidding about the one-eyed hooker. And on the other side of that complex <laughs> w- was a bipolar drug addict. So between the two of them, wow. you know, we were, con- yeah. we were told by the real estate agent that this was section eight and they were great tenants and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and we went hook, line and sinker into that because it was our first deal and we wanted to get into it. So we rushed into our first deal, which I never recommend just to say we were in a deal because in a mentorship program, when you're on those calls on Tuesday and Thursday, everybody's like, I got this deal and I'm closing on this deal. And and you feel less than, Mm -hmm. so you're like, Oh, I got to get into a deal. I learned that lesson that it's not about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's where, you know, partnering with somebody who's been there before can help because they can point out, yeah, this is not going to be like you think it is. You know, they can point out a lot of the problems. You know, I've, I've had complete properties that are like project-based section eight housing. And yeah, when people start saying, Hey, it's a section eight thing. What should I, how should I underwrite this? I'm like, you don't. (laughs) Yeah. Don't underwrite it. Just move on. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, So so thank, that was a good question, Quinn. Hopefully that'll help some other people. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So what's your current strategy for managing the properties? Like uh, you've had some experiences with bad tenants. Is it in-house? You kind of hire other property managers now or, and how do you manage them if you do? So we hire property management companies. And again, it's about vetting them because all of this is a process, right? So we've actually fired two or three property managers because they weren't performing the way we needed them to perform. And they made promises that they couldn't deliver. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to do that either because they're working for us ultimately. And so for us to get a tenant in there to get to perform a rate takes a certain amount to do and to keep them in there takes even more. That's really what my advice is. Don't do it yourself. I invest remotely, so I can't. So I I have to hire the right people and vet the right people. And again, when we first started, we were taught that, but we didn't do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that that helps. I mean, having somebody who's close to the property, you know, if you're, especially when you're in the larger properties, you know, you have to have a physical presence, you know, doing the management from a a different city, you, you have to be there. You have to be with the, you know, the property manager. You have to be at the property to know what's going on. The more you're there, I was touring a property with you know, an owner that has you know many, many, many thousands more units than I have. And he's walking around. He's at this property about once a month. He hits every one of his properties once a month. And mm-hmm. he's walking around with the property manager and he sees a little tiny piece of trash on the ground. And he bends over and he picks it up, looks at the property manager and just says, make sure this stuff gets picked up you know, and throws it away, Yep. you know, and that sets the tone, you know, it's just like, he's there once a month. And if he's going to bend over and pick up, you know, a, a wrapper, the size of a quarter, he's setting the tone there. So that's part of the management is the accountability piece. And it's hard to keep property management companies accountable when you're never there. On the back end of our team, we have another person that goes out and make sure that things are moving smoothly and they're they're not full of crap. And some of them have been, but you know, we we've got rid of them and and moved on. And you know, it's just the way it is. It's it's the business. All right, Q, what else you got, man? Yeah, um, kind of switching over to investor relations and raising capital. What would you say are some good ways to build trust when it's you know you're early on in it, you're raising three or four million dollars? What's a good way to build trust with them and to present the deal? 
you know, running through the numbers and, and whatnot. What's been kind of the what takeaways you've had? Well, I don't know if you're in any mastermind programs, right? Or, or uh, any Facebook groups, but that's mm-hmm. really, really important because like I said, this is a really tight knit community. It's not as big as everybody thinks there is. And you have a reputation in this industry. And once you start going to all those things and your name gets out there as somebody that closes a deal and that people rely on and trust. And the trust is built by, excuse my language, not bullshitting who you are. What right. you see here is I'm not putting on any airs. <laughs> this is this is who I am. Yeah. Right. And I'm not going to mesh with everybody. And you know, and again in my journey, those are the people I don't mesh with, I I, I don't really work with mm-hmm. because chances are that's not going to be a good relationship. But it's really about knowing, liking, and trusting that person. I know that that's a word, uh, those three words are used all over the place. But I joined all of these mentorship programs or these Facebook masterminds so that when I'm out there in the world and I'm looking to raise capital with equity partners, they know me. Right Right. now, I'm doing a 30-day challenge on Facebook that's kicking my ass. (laughs) But every night we have to record a video of challenges we're being put through. But through that, people are getting to know who I am personally. And these are not like fairy tale questions. These are really kick your ass questions. (laughs) I would recommend doing things like that is getting out there, going to the meetups. And within your community itself is don't ask people for money, just grow that relationship. You know, because one of the people that invested about $800,000 with me is a doctor. I don't know doctors. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a chameleon, so you do. Yeah, I do now. <laughs> but one of the things yeah. he really liked was, and I'm sorry if I'm going a little long, but one of the things he really liked, he loves wine. So we we mm. related on that level because I love wine. My wife loves wine. And so we go wine tasting together. Nice. Right? Yeah. Or if you like to play golf, do that. Yeah. You know, awesome. All right, cool. We got time for one more question, one more answer. So, Q, if you if you got one more written down mm-hmm. there that you know <laughs> comes up to the top, you know, hit that one. Yeah. If you were starting today, what would you do first in real estate investing to get into it? You know, maybe speed it up, or however, taken from the lessons you learned, I guess. What would you do today if you started? Oh man, you know, I would seek out the right person that fits my personality in a mentorship program because I don't think you could do this without a mentorship program or a mentor. I just don't yeah. think you can go down that road alone. I don't know if I would do anything different. I needed mm-hmm. to make those mistakes. I really did. I, I mean, I screwed up a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I would seek out somebody that you really click with from a mentorship program, right? It doesn't, okay. whatever one you decide to do, as, as long as it's, it kicks your ass, excuse my language, but I needed people that were going to kick my ass because that's my personality. I don't know your personality. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I mean, I, I needed to make mistakes and, you know, I, I always kind of have the philosophy that I made the best decisions for, for me that, that I could possibly make in every moment of my life. You know, every, every time I had to make a big decision you know, I, I think that I, with where I was in life, I made the best decisions. You know, if I were to change one thing, I I wish that I could have, you know, started thinking bigger earlier, if that makes sense. You know, I didn't know what was possible. And I, I had a lot of self-doubt about, you know, whether I could do stuff like this. Like I, I wanted to, I was active duty for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get out at the three-year mark, you know, and it was just kind of like, what do I want to do? I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to kind of be, you know, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit, but 
I had that doubt of, of whether or not I could do it. So if I had to go back and if I could just do one thing, it'd be help myself to, you know, to think bigger earlier. So maybe I need to think bigger now. Yeah, there we go. Okay. My, my future self is probably telling me, Brian, think bigger, you know, but <laughs> uh, well, anyway. I would say this, Quentin, I would start when I was your age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I got to accelerate my buying properties, right? Because of my age. Yep. So, right. Yeah. I was, you know, early 40s when I started with multifamily. And Andy and I have less time on the clock than you do, you know? So yes. if we're going to make an impact and give to, you know, the next generation and future generations, we got less time, you know? But yep. I still plan on living for another 50 years. So, there, there's still time left. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's a hundred year mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty <laughs> years to ninety six, and if I'm ninety six, I'm I'm happy. So yeah, right. That's yeah. Anyway, well, we are about out of time. So one last question for each of you, Andy. You get to go first. How can listeners learn more about you? So they can go on my LinkedIn profile. They can go on my Instagram profile or my Facebook profile. They. You can go on YouTube and look for Donut Shop Cop Podcasts, mm-hmm. which we'll be having more of those coming up, which I know you're coming on. I'm right? coming on. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, our website is buycoastal.org, mm-hmm. B-U-Y coastal.org, because we buy from coast to coast. <laughs> oh, nice. Perfect. Well, we'll put that, put all that in the show notes. And then Quentin, same question for you. How yeah. can listeners learn more about you? I'm on LinkedIn, Quentin Finnerty, also on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram's Finnerty118, the last name 118. Um, Yeah, reach out. I'd love to connect with anybody. Talk real estate. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks guys for coming on the show. Very much appreciate your time and had a little bit of fun today too, didn't we? Yeah, it was great, man. Thank you, Brian. That was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.